Okay, we will get to our lesson here, and uh, we're, in the, we're studying the life of Moses again. We're on lesson number two. So we'll start here in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come tonight and to open the Word of God again that we might learn uh, some valuable lessons from this man, Moses. And Lord, we just pray that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts to receive this truth. And Lord, that we might use it. Lord, that we might serve you. Now, Lord, bless our time here today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, again, we're, we're Life of Moses, and tonight we're in a, uh, talking about Moses in the desert. We saw Moses in the palace last week, his birth and growing up, and now we're going to see the next section of his life where God sent him or he fled to Egypt uh, for fear of his own life, and he thought he was running away from trouble and but you know god was just extending that plan all right that's what it was god was just putting moses where he needed him now the circumstances uh you know moses made a mistake but god that's how god works right he takes our mistakes and he brings them out for good that's god <laughs> praise the lord and we can always we always know that about god there is no substitute for time spent alone with God. Amen. I hope you take time to be with God alone in your day. I, I hope you do. That's one thing I've been just um, a big expounder of in promoting is spend time with the Lord every day. Uh, get your Bible, read your Bible, pray, meditate on God's Word, and you need that alone time with him. But there are times we, that God will put us in a place of isolation, not, not an isolation like we're on a deserted island, but in an isolation uh, where we might be uh, cut off from those around us in a way, in a certain way. And it's during that time of isolation that God can speak to us. And that's kind of what we see here in Moses' life at just this time in his life. Uh, he is out in the desert, and he's, had a he's kind of in a place of isolation. He's not isolated, but he's in a time of isolation where God's gonna work on his heart and prepare him for the work that he has for Moses. And we see that here tonight. Uh, he's gonna be in the, 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 you know, God had sent him out into the Sinai Desert, uh, and it was where God was going to prepare him to be a great deliverer of his people. And I think looking at our life, now, you know, I can only look at my life because that's the only life I can look at. I can't look at your life and make a, make a uh, you know, a judgment. But I can look at my life and make a judgment. And I can look at my life and I can say, you know, there were times God isolated me in one way or another and he taught me some things. He taught me some things about myself that uh, I needed to learn. 
some lessons I needed to learn. And he'll do that. And I think if he does that for me, he probably does that for you. And I think we would agree, yeah, God does that. Because, you know, he's always trying to make us better. But I think not only is he just trying to make us better, but God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And you may be sitting here tonight and you may think, you know, what is God's plan for me? I'm at a stage in my life where I kind of thought I would just kind of float into the sunset. (laughs) You know, I just kind of ride off into the sunset and it would just be, but I don't know if that's what what God's plan is for you. I think God's got a plan. He's got a reason for you. And he's got something he wants you to do. And we have to be available to that and allow God to prepare us for that, for whatever it may be, for the time that we have left. Let's remember, how old was Moses when he started leading the children of Israel? 80 years old. Here we're thinking, hey, I'm... I'm just about at the end, but it was just a beginning for him. So I think we could all look at Moses, and I think there's some lessons we can learn, that God uses these times to prepare us. You know, God just doesn't want us to get better just to be better. He wants us to get better so we can serve him and have a purpose in that life. So I have three ways here tonight. God prepared Moses for the task planned for him. So we see here, God was trying to get Moses to develop a genuine walk in his life, and that's what these will do. These these three things will help you develop a genuine walk with the Lord. The first one was Moses was alone. He was alone. Now, of course, he wasn't alone by himself because he was with that Jethro's family, and he eventually married his daughter and had a family of his own. But that, that surrounding and that atmosphere was a whole lot different than the palace in Egypt. A whole lot different. So God got him out of Egypt there in the desert of Sinai and he started to use him and prepare him for the job that he had. But you know, there are people that are alone and they, and they feel lonely. Now it doesn't mean they're isolated but they, you know, there may be people all around them. They may live in an apartment building with thousands of people, but yet they're alone. And maybe you know people like that. Maybe you say, preacher, that's me. <laughs> I'm alone. I'm lonely. And sometimes loneliness uh, can bring out some problems of its own, can bring depression, can bring uh, different feelings. But we have to remember, even if you are feeling lonely, what is the truth? You're never alone because the Lord Jesus Christ is here with you every step of the way. He is always with you. Even when you have those feelings, you may feel alone. And those feelings are real. I mean, we can't just brush them off and say, well, you know, you just need to get out and make more friends. (laughs) You just need to, you know, that's, that's not very sympathetic, is it? We need to understand, hey, there are people who are alone, but that's when they have to reach out. And that's where the Lord Jesus Christ can make a difference. And he can feel that, that, uh, that, that, those feelings. And praise the Lord, uh, we have the church. 
We can come to church and find fellowship and friendships in our church and a time like this that we can do that. But you know, on a positive note, again, God can use that loneliness or that time alone where he's isolated you for one reason or another that he might do a work in your heart. And he wants to do something in your heart to bring you to a place that he wants you to grow and where you can rest in God's sovereignty, right? Isn't that what happened to David? David said there were times he was alone. He had feelings of loneliness. Uh, Psalm chapter 142, verses five and, uh, four and five says, O Lord, I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. So while David was feeling loneliness, all right, because he was pushed out, he was isolated because Saul was chasing him, he felt alone, and he says, I'm gonna rest in the Lord. The Lord will be my portion. He will be that for me. And there were other men who had to be alone. Uh, How about Dan? Now, this is maybe a shorter period of time uh, where it was only one night, but what about Daniel in the lion's den? (laughs) He was alone. Can you imagine? Alone and facing those lions. But he wasn't alone, was he? Because there was an angel there, wasn't it? That's what the Bible says. There was an angel that closed their mouths. So he, but physically speaking, I don't know if he saw the angel or not, but he was alone facing that trial. And you know, maybe you feel like that sometimes. I'm alone facing this trial. Well, you're not alone. Praise the Lord. The Lord's with you every step of the way. Jacob, when he was wrestling the angel of the Lord, he was alone, fighting, wrestling, hanging on for dear life, Uh, wouldn't let the angel go. Uh, There was John the Baptist on the Isle of Patmos, exiled for being a preacher of the gospel. Uh, They had boiled him in oil, but that didn't finish him off. And so he survived that, and he says, well, we'll we'll just isolate you so you can't hurt anybody You can't convert anybody. And so God used that to give us the book of Revelation. But he was alone facing the time period. So God used that. So there are moments in time when God will bring isolation that he might prepare us for tasks. We see here that uh, Moses, he was exiled from Egypt. He couldn't go back. Not at that time. Not at that period. uh, Because of what had happened. Uh, turn with me to Acts. Acts ch- keep your place there in ex- uh, Exodus and turn with me to Acts chapter 7, verse 23. Here the Bible, again, gives us some more insight into what was happening in Moses' heart and why things were transpiring the way they were. Acts chapter 7 and verse 23. And here uh, it says... And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. So here it came to a place when he was 40, he had a compassion for his people Israel that were in bondage, and he wanted to do something. He wanted to help them. That's what the writer says here. Uh, Not only that, it says, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him of that, that, that was oppressed, and smote the Egyptian. 
For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. So Moses is actually thinking, I'm gonna deliver these people from bondage. You know, that was in his mind. But the Jews didn't understand, and it wasn't according to God's timetable, so it didn't happen that way. Verse 26, And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove, and would have set them apart at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do you wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. So that's the, the story behind it. Moses had to flee, and he, for, for that time period, he could not go back. And because he had killed that man, and now Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses. He wanted Moses to pay for his crime. So Moses is now exiled from Egypt. But yet, though, you know, it didn't come about a good way, God used it for good to bring about the next step in his life. I don't know if you ever heard of the book called Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan. I don't know, have you ever read it? It's a good book, all right? Um, it starts off with, I had a dream. You ever wonder where uh, uh, Martin Luther King got that, I had a dream? Well, that's where he got it. He a junior. He got it from that book. And, and the story is that John Bunyan, if you know anything about him, John Bunyan lived in England in the 1600s. During a time when uh, the, the Church of England controlled who could preach. And if you were not, uh, if you didn't have a license from the Church of England, you were called a dissenter. Okay, you were outlawed from speaking or preaching in a congregation. Well, John Bunyan believed he was called by God to preach and he did not need a license to preach and this was a conviction that he had. So when he was preaching in Bedford, England, they came and says, you gotta stop. He says, I'm not gonna stop. They said, if you don't stop, we're gonna put you in jail. He says, well, put me in jail. They put him in jail. For eight years, he was in jail. And there he, he languished in jail. Well, after that eight years was up, he got out. Well, guess what he did? He went right back to preaching. You know, somebody probably said to John, you know, you know don't you think you might want to not do that? <laughs> but he didn't. He had, that was his conviction. He believed he, could, he, was a pre, he was called to preach, and he preached. He went back to jail the second time. So you can imagine, if you can just imagine in your mind how his family felt. You know, here's dad. Dad's out of prison. He's back home. And all of a sudden, he's back in prison. Can you imagine how discouraged they must have been? You know, what they were feeling? And so the story goes is that one night while he was in prison, he had that dream. And he dreamt about the, what he wrote about. And he wrote that book and the reason for that book was to encourage his family. That's why he wrote it. It was really a story just for his family to encourage them to, so that they can have some understanding why he was doing what he was doing. But he wrote that because he was isolated. He was in an, a point in his life 
And God was preparing him and prepared him. They said, and you know, and this is going to the 16, 17, 1800s, if you could read, not everybody could read, but if you could read, there were two books you had in your house, the Bible and Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> That's how popular that story was. It was the second most popular story as a second bestseller after the Bible for a long time. And so God used that man in a time of isolation away from his family to be an encouragement and to, uh, you know, to be an encouragement to how many people around the world that read that book, and it's still being read today uh, for that. So Moses, we see here again, he was exiled from Egypt, but also he was employed in the wilderness. When he entered the land of the Midianites, he came across a group of sisters. Of course, we read that here in Exodus. Exodus, and uh, notice it says here in verse, verse 16, now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they, had came, when they came to Raul, their father, now sometimes in the Bible it's Jethro, all right, so those two names are the same, Jethro or Raul, uh, he said, how is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man and gave Moses Sephora, his daughter, uh, of course, to wife. So here we see he was employed by this man in the wilderness, this man uh, who was a shepherd, and now sh- he becomes a shepherd in the wilderness. And, you know, God has a way of leading us uh, in a way sometimes we don't understand. Here's this man, Moses, educated in the highest schools, the best teachers in Egypt, and now he's shepherding sheep, which would be a kind of, you know, a step down, a really big step down. But yet, this is where God has placed him for the, purpose, for the purpose of training him and preparing him for the next step. And that leads us to point number two here, Moses was humbled. He was humbled. We read in Scripture that Moses was a very humble and meek person. You can write down Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. I'll read it for you. Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. So he was a... At that time in his life, he had become a very meek person. But that didn't happen overnight. He wasn't born that way because of what happened in Egypt when he was 40. Obviously, he did not have control of his emotions like anger because he got angry and killed somebody, right or wrong in his mind, but he got overwhelmed with anger to the point that he killed that taskmaster in Egypt. And so therefore, the man that we read about in Numbers 12 is not the same man in a way. God has changed him, and he's made him a person that now God can use. He's meek, and he's gonna need that. 
because he's going to lead a group of people that are complaining and they are, uh, you know, they're, they're stiff-necked and they're, uh, they're disobedient and he's going to need a lot of patience to deal with them. And so he, God makes him a man who's humbled. He's, and so we see that here in this passage. He was no longer a prince. Again, he had stepped down. Uh, he, was a, he was a fugitive in a foreign land. And now he was a shepherd. All right, he was a shepherd. Tending to the sheep, the flock of sheep of Jethro. Someone said this, God's timeless principle, if we are faithful in little, we'll have an opportunity to be faithful in much. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. So what's God doing? You know, why is God taking this great, qualified, obviously a learned person, and now he's doing a menial job? (laughs) I'm not saying it's not an important job. I'm not saying that it's not a good job, but it's, it's different. Why? Because there's some lessons he has to learn, and he's learning to be faithful. And if you can lead a small flock of sheep, the same principles will go towards leading the nation. And that was true of David, right? David was trained to lead the sheep. In the Bible, a lot of the great leaders knew how to take care of sheep. And, God, and those same principles were now in this place for him to be that leader that God had for them. And you know, God is still looking for people who's willing to be trained. He's still looking for people who says, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to humble myself. I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to learn some things that I need to know, that God, are you, you're willing to teach me. And we have to be willing students to allow God to teach us some things that maybe we'd say, I, I, I really don't want to <laughs> do that. I really don't want to learn that because... It's hard. It's hard. Learning, changing character isn't easy. And you know, it takes time. We don't do it overnight. But why was it important that Moses be humbled? Why was it important that he learn to be faithful? Because that's what God requires of stewards. That's what it says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So if we're going to steward our life, if we're going to steward what God gives us, we've got to be faithful. Faithful in the small things. What can you do? You know, isn't that what we teach our children? The same principle. I know when I had children, uh, we, 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 when they got a job delivering, their first job was delivering newspapers. And uh, so we said to them, now you get paid. First thing you need to do is take 10% and give that to the Lord. <laughs> That's the first thing. And you learn to do that. And of course, you know, it's a lot uh, for them. Uh, you know, they might have made $10 a week. So a dollar went to the Lord. 
And you know, really, if you think about it, it's a lot easier to give one dollar out of 10 than for someone to give a, you know, give $100 out of 1,000. But the principle's the same, isn't it? So, you, so we taught them, and then we said to them, well, you know, uh, you just don't wanna go out and, you know, because we lived in the city, I didn't have this, I lived out in the country. So we couldn't walk five miles through the general store <laughs> and spend our money. You know, so we, we lived out in the country, so, but in town, we lived next to the, you know, just down the street was the, the variety store. Uh, and we said, now, you don't wanna spend all that money on candy, you want to save a little bit of that, and that now that was a little bit harder. They didn't like; they just couldn't appreciate that too much. But we we tried to teach those simple principles in money. But if you think about it, those same principles are true today. God gives us time. Well, how are you stewarding your time? You say, "Well, I'm retired." Well, <laughs> you got more time. But that doesn't always work out that way, does it? But how are we doing with our time? How are we doing with our, our, our talents? So these are things, the, same, the principles are the same. We should be using these things and giving those to the Lord. And that's what Moses, he had to learn that, that God had these principles he needed to learn. And sometimes we have to be humbled to learn those things. And we see that. Then we see, lastly, point number three, he was contemplative. Sometimes it's in our time of separation that God allows us to better speak and to hear from him. Sometimes we need that time alone where God can, we can hear his voice. Now, I'm not talking about a literal voice. Don't, you know, I'm not getting weird on you. <laughs> but I'm talking about when God can, you you know, reading his word and praying and God beginning to move in your heart, move in your mind, and begin to bring out principles from his word. And, and, and you know, sometimes uh, bringing out some principles just in a different way, we never thought about it before. I know, you know, and God speaking to us and teaching us some things, and we need that time just like Elijah. Remember Elijah when he, you know, he had a great mountaintop experience in his life on top of Mount Carmel when he, uh, you know, brought down fire from heaven, you know, prayed and God burned up the sacrifice and then it rained after three and a half years of drought and then he ran down, well, he killed, you know, those 450 prophets of Baal, false prophets of Baal, ran down the mountain that man had a great experience, and God used him in a great way. But yet, what happened to him, he, he, got, the, he got threatened by Queen Jezebel, and all of a sudden, his whole life began to fall apart. <laughs> Why is that? Because he, would, you know, he was tired. He needed rest. And his body needed replenishment, and he needed time uh, to recover. And so what did God do? God, he drove him out into the wilderness. There he went to, to Mount Sinai there, Mount Horeb, and there God was able to speak to him. The Bible says, in the still, small voice. All right, in the voice, that small voice. 
And so we see that God does that so we can listen, so we can hear what he says. And we see here he took time to remember and repent. Now the Bible doesn't say this, but he had to have thought about what he did in Egypt. He had to come to the place where he said that was wrong. I was wrong. And he had and so he he could have thought about that and also other things, no doubt, in his life. I'm sure there were other things he needed to deal with. And at that time he could remember, and sometimes God uses times to bring things to our life. So we can think about our hearts and we can reflect and maybe there's times we need to repent <laughs> and ask for forgiveness. Also we see here he took time to re- to reflect and reform. Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 says, "So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom." So when we look at Moses's life in his latter years from 80 to 120, we find a man who was much different than than the man who was 40 years old. God changed him. God brought him along and from an impulsive, angry man to a humble, meek man who had control of his feelings 99% of the time. Was he perfect? No. Did he make mistakes? Yes. How about the time when God told him, speak to the rock? And Moses got angry at the people because after 40 years, you think they would have learned something about trusting God. But they, you know, they didn't. And so he's so angry that he struck the rock twice and he ruined the type. And God said, Just for that mistake, you won't enter the promised land. And he did make his mistakes. But overall, he was known as a very meek man, a humble man. In conclusion here tonight, in quiet times, away from distractions and busyness of life, God can truly speak to us and help us become more of what he wants us to be. So maybe you might find yourself in a desert time or a place of isolation. Don't feel like God's abandoned you. He hasn't. Rather, he might be drawing you closer, taking that opportunity to draw you closer to him. But we have to draw closer to him. If we'll draw close to him, if we'll repent of our sin, if we will confess our sin and we'll draw closer to God and humble ourselves, God says, I'll draw close to you. And then God can do a work in our life. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear God, thank you again for your love for us and your care. Bless our time of prayer here tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.